Purple Elephant shower thought of the day. It's sad that having real ingredients in food products is now considered a selling point. Which seems to me like a pretty low point in society. This is Purple Elephant Radio. Where we hear about storytelling, originality, and creativity. From the creators who are actually making something matter. I'm your host, Sean Green. All right, today I am joined with a, an awesome guest, a, a videographer, a tennis player, a really good tennis player. I don't, I hope he'll be, uh, I hope he'll brag about it and won't say, oh, I'm not that good. Um, and just like an all, all around cool guy. And I'm here with Aaron DeMarco. Welcome hey. to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'll and I didn't even get to say uh, uh, creator of Precise Films, LLC. Oh, yeah. Yep. Proud of that one. So l- let's start with, I, I kind of want to know where that, that name came from. And maybe that can kind of lead into the origin story of you doing videography work. Yeah. Um, mainly it came because there was no other website domain available. I wanted precision media. I thought that sounded pretty cool. And Wix, uh, they said, ah, you know, we don't have that available, but we do have precise films or precise media. And it's like, ah, okay. And then I sat with it for like 10, 15 seconds and then just bought the domain, which, you know, in hindsight, maybe taking a little longer to decide a, a company name would have been a good thing. But, uh, picked precise films and then right after that bought about i think oh man maybe 500 or a thousand business cards with precise films on it and no contact information again kind of an impulse thing but precise films was born right there wait so the the business cards they just have the name on it do they have a website They they have precise films and then they have you know what hold on i think they do um (laughs) They might have the website on there, but I can't remember. I have I've stopped using them because uh-huh. they don't give out adequate contact information. There's nothing yeah. there's nothing there that really uh helps. And then my name's not even on it either. So whatever. I, I gotta redo that eventually. Yeah. But uh that was kind of the the start of it. Um and then from there I just, you know, kept going with it, eventually filed for an LLC with um the state of Missouri and now it's official precise films LLC. Mm-hmm. But so even before that name, have you started doing videography work, whether it was free or or paid? Hey guys, I've really fallen in love with the medium of podcasting. And I finally feel comfortable to where I want to ask for your support. So in the description and in all of the descriptions following this episode, I'm going to start putting a link for a spot for you to donate a small monthly amount of either a buck, five bucks, or ten bucks a month. Now this money is going to help the podcast grow. It's going to show me that this is worth my time. And because this is for creators, by a creator, I would hope that you can see that I'm doing this so I can sustain the act of creating. So if you really like this podcast, if you want to support the show, go down in the description, click the link to chip in a small amount to support the show. Thanks. Yeah, I had um, my, I want to say my sophomore year of high school, I filmed like this 10 second video of uh, someone like a senior yelling out of at the, the crowd and getting all hyped up. 
and sent that to uh, our our school's uh, I guess pep club, and they they posted it. It got like I don't know, like maybe seven thousand views, and it's like ten seconds on Twitter, so it's not like a crazy number, but it just it was cool. And I was like, oh, maybe people like this stuff. So I did a few more, um, and then my senior year of high school, just made as many connections as I could with teachers, uh, school administrators, um, and then people outside of the school district as well. Um, and started doing uh, freelance videography for them. And then over the summer, like I said, I filed for an LLC because I realized, oh, I'm actually making some money with this, might want to protect myself and also look a bit more official too. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely does look official, but it, it seemed like you were doing that even before you had the yeah. official title. Um, and right. I, I, I yeah. should mention, I don't think it's clear, but we did go to the same high school and you're, you were a year under me, right. which is so cool. Um, and one of the people like kind of our mutual friend is Jack who got me to do the podcast and that's how I got your information. And so uh -huh. I think it's just cool that we're talking about connections and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. how we're getting in touch. Um, okay. So you, you had, you were doing videography stuff, but even before that, even before that uh, video clip sophomore year, were you always interested in film? Was it something you grew up as a kid just loving to make? Not necessarily. Um, my, oh gosh, I think I was maybe in fifth grade for Christmas. I got a GoPro Hero 3 and I really wanted a Nintendo DSi. And I remember that. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I got a GoPro. Why do I have a GoPro? I'm in fourth grade. I don't do anything fancy. I don't jump out of planes or, you know, rock climb. I don't need a GoPro. Um, but about two years after that, my friend and I at the beach, uh, we still go to that beach every year. Um, we just started filming on his GoPro and I was like, oh, GoPros are so cool. And I'm like, I have a GoPro. And so I kind of forgot. So the next year I brought it out and we started making all these goofy videos. Um, and I still have them on like, a, an old channel that I can, uh, I can send you as well. If you want to link it, I, I, I found that channel and I watched some, you of did videos. find it. Great. Awesome. Cool. I'm really, I'm really happy about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I did, I guess I did a couple, a couple years ago too. So it's not that dumb, but, uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I started making those fun videos and I, I do miss that to a certain extent, like doing my own, you know, goofy videos and it doesn't really matter. It's not for a client. There's no deadline. It's just, if I like it, I'm going to make it. Um, actually I think I did one with Jack actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the sled video, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's all on uh, all on GoPros, and uh, that's when I started. And then eventually, picked up more camera stuff, uh, like a tripod, and that changed the game completely because now I'm not getting shaky footage. Um, and now where I'm shooting on a GH5 with an external monitor and like an SSD and uh, gimbals and drones, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's it's nice. It's yeah. I saw, I like watched one of your demo reels and the, the drone footage was just unbelievable. Like the, <laughs> there was like a city with like mountains and, um, yeah, that would, I, I love drone stuff and I've never, I, I think even like doing the, the film stuff I'm doing drones have always seemed the most daunting to me because don't you have to go and uh, get a license if you want to do it commercially? Yeah, you get there's there's so many rules now. It's like they're they're fixing it until it's broken, pretty much. Uh, the government. Yeah, if you want to do a commercial shoots, which I I desperately need to get that license because I have plans for it. Um, oh, but so yeah, you, you just you, use that more of a like to have it in your portfolio, but not right now. I do. Yeah, I, I, if I want to start doing like more real estate stuff, then I, I probably should just for legal reasons. 
Right. <laughs> you know, it's not like the government's going to come after a 20 year old in Missouri. Yeah. Like, hey, you're flying a drone above 400 feet for commercial use. Like, mm-hmm. you, it's like, okay, guy, chill. Yeah. So that you kind of s- slowly grew your uh, equipment arsenal and it started with the GoPro. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you think you really, was there a point where you made this kind of either like a mental shift or just like financially? you just spent a ton of money maybe in at one time or like in the span of a, a couple months, was there that time? And was that like when you decided this is what I want to do? Yeah. I, uh, I bought a 20 late 2017 MacBook pro and I, you know, kitted it out with some extra Ram and stuff um, with the goal of that being my main editing machine versus my phone. So it was a step up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, that was kind of the first big purchase, but then over the, I'd say even over the course of like, uh, three, four years when I started really taking it seriously, um, it went from like one camera one summer to completely upgrading it to the, the, the GH five now, um, the next summer and, uh, and then, you know, buying lights, uh, microphones, um, the, the drones. I mean, I've, I have a new drone now, but yeah, I've bought two. Um, and then every year, despite my, hardest efforts i can't stop buying a gopro i don't know why <laughs> do it yeah well does the the gopro show up in a lot of the 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 current kind of clients you've worked with nope. is it purely just i think it's GoPros? i think it's sentimental i it's sentimental i can't stand the company i hate mm-hmm. what they're doing to gopros but i love the cameras because having a camera you can chuck in your bag and not yeah. care about you know it's kind of nice or just put it in my pocket i went skiing last week and i uh slapped it on the tip of the skis and went down through some like a uh, pretty thick powder and got some really cool video. Yeah. Um, it's good for that, but terrible, terrible for client work. You know, I might right. use it. If I'm doing the senior video for uh, the Kirkwood high school. Mm-hmm. I'll use it for that. Maybe for in some cases like underwater, but no, it's not a right. great camera to use for anything other than action. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember my first camera. I don't even like some hundred dollar thing where, uh-huh. you know, it had the flip out monitor Right, and I remember yeah. that. And it was awful compared to like kind of what I know now. Yeah. <laughs> but I still like, I cherish the the videos that were made on that camera. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the the clients you are currently working with, I mean, you mentioned uh, working with the high school and doing kind of senior videos. I mean, that's really cool, uh, especially because it seems like such a exclusive thing to kind of be that that yeah, guy who it is uh, really awesome yeah um and so did that kind of fall into your lap based on um making those connections with the administration and having kind of that that hype video and like kind of doing stuff at football games when you were in high school yeah i i really enjoy the the kirkwood school district but mainly kirkwood high school the community aspect of it um and and what i was seeing was a, a lack of that shown in a lot of the videos that are on on the internet uh when you look up kirkwood high school maybe you see the football games or the basketball games you don't see the theater kids in the back room making a a a giant sign for the theater or for the the play uh i wanted to capture that and so that's when i when i approached uh, the principal at the time for the senior class last year uh, jeff townsend i said hey uh if you have me do this i guarantee you that you're gonna have next to everybody in the class in the video and it's going to be way different than ever before. And thankfully, he, he said, yeah, I'd like to do that. I, I think it'd be awesome and uh, brought me on board. And then now I'm doing, what, 2021? Man, so weird year. Um, doing their video. 
And uh, while it's difficult, I'm still, you know, with the same goal in mind, get as many people in the video as I can. Right. And so that initial pitch last year, did you have to pitch a budget or once you kind of won over the principal, then the budget was given to you? I asked him, what did you charge the year before? And he told me, and I said, I'll do it for $1 less. <laughs> and then ended up doing it for, uh, I shouldn't say this, but like a, a substantial amount more considering the the extra work that was done. Um, so it, it was it was pretty cool. We, yeah, we stayed on board over the summer. We worked through and made a couple extra videos for it. Um, even had uh, commissioned um, two students to write a song for the video. Um, yeah, so I was able to, it was, that was kind of the most proud, the, the proudest point for me was I was able to text them, hey, I'm paying you guys money for this. And they're like, wait, really? And I'm like, yeah. And then I was able to kind of a little bit mentor them a tiny bit and say, dude, don't do stuff for free. Do this stuff and, and know your worth, you know? Um, and I think, I think they you know, appreciate that. I hope though, but I'm um, probably going to call them again this summer and, or this, I guess it's already spring later this spring and say, Hey, uh, you guys want to do that again? So. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to, I don't want you to say any prices you don't feel comfortable with, but I, I think the the season that this podcast is on is all about, um, working creatives, um, and kind of entrepreneurship freelancer and i think the most daunting thing for someone starting out is how to price your work because either you price it way too high and people just like scoff and they don't even listen to you or you price it way too low and people know you're pricing it way too low and i mean you may not get taken advantage of but you definitely kind of have to learn it through trial and error and so maybe if you don't want to say like prices you're charging now maybe starting out what was kind of the the prices you charge and how have you been able to increase those prices? I, so when I first started out, I didn't have a great job. Like I have a, I have a solid job right now coaching tennis. I didn't have that job then. And so I was thinking, wow, I can make $150 doing this four or five weeks of work. And when I look back on it, I was thinking that's clearly obviously undercharged. Um, you're working for five weeks and, you know, even if you're doing minimum wage, that would at least be, uh, I think closer to like $400. Um, and, uh, so, so that was the hardest part was figuring out my worth. Um, but I, I did also keep thinking to myself, I'm only uh, 17. No one's going to take a 17 year old seriously. Uh, then I, I read an article, um, luckily pretty early on that said, uh, know, know your worth and, and people will pay more if they think you're going to be delivering a good product. So like, if you think of, uh, you know, you're on Amazon, you're looking at a phone and you see a phone that costs $500 and you see a phone that costs $200, you're going to think the phone that's cost $500 is a higher quality phone. And I think of that because when I'm making a video and I'm charging, uh, say $700 and someone's charging $200 while the, the organization might say, Ooh, that's a pretty good price. I let them know. I say, Hey, you are getting what you pay for. Um, and I think they appreciate that. Um, like for, I will give prices out for a little bit. I did a wedding last summer is my first wedding and, uh, I charged $300 and I was talking to the photographer there. And she goes, Hey, what, what, what did you charge? This is your first one. I said 300. And she goes, you're kidding. And I said, "Uh Oh yeah, no, I'm not kidding. Um, I know I probably undercharged a little bit. She goes, yeah, by about like $1,500. And I'm like, Oh, for real. You know, obviously I don't feel comfortable charging 
$1,800 for a wedding yet. I don't think I'm, I'm that high of a level, but, um, I do think that I, I bring something to the table. So now, you know, I'm pricing weddings close to a thousand dollars each, which is, I think a, a pretty fair price considering what other, um, videographers are, are charging other companies are charging. Um, so I do like to think of myself as like a prosumer, um, videographer versus a, you know, a professional or a consumer. Uh, yeah. And, and I think, um, when it comes to making those jumps, I mean, or making those jumps in what you charge, obviously there's just the sheer skill. If you've never shot a wedding, then you're still kind of learning on the, the client's dollar. And there's nothing wrong with that because you're charging that cheaper price. Uh, but at the same time, I think eventually, I mean, you can always get better, but I think there is kind of that, if we stay on wedding videography, like there's that kind of level where everyone's kind of hit the, what you need to do. You have all the right equipment. Um, you have the capability to edit and that's kind of where creativity and style differentiates. And it's not about pure skill level. And I, I just wonder, have you thought about, um, and, and you don't have to take it just to, to wedding videos. We can expand to what else you've been doing, but when it comes to, uh, creating a product for, clients, do you ever try to get creative with maybe the, the end product that you're delivering in the sense of like, not just another five minute video, but now I'm offering like a couple 10 second clips that they could put on Instagram as well as kind of a bigger, do you kind of expand that, um, that offering? Uh, in in a, in a way, yeah. Um, right now I'm working with a, a former uh, Kirkwood High School teacher, uh, Dr. Becker, Mr. Becker. Um, he's starting a Kickstarter. He's got this new toy coming out. It's really interesting. Um, it's a hyperbolic paraboloid that can like uh, collect together with other hyperbolic paraboloids, and you make these crazy shapes. Um, but throughout the creative process of editing and filming this video, um, I've mentioned like, hey, what if we do this and maybe take it somewhere else? Um, and uh, you know, very respectfully, you know, we're we're going back and forth about ideas, and he's eventually um coming to the conclusion like I'm gonna talk to other Kickstarter um uh like creators i guess people that have um been successful with their kickstarter campaigns and uh we'll see what they do so now uh a four-week process that we were going to try to have the video out by i guess what is it today um is now going to be pushed back because we are going to expand we're going to do a couple of short videos versus one like you said uh four minute video and and we'll be able to post them online various places maybe even like uh like reddit for example you know you, you don't want to post a five minute video on reddit no one's going to watch it no one has the attention span um but you know they see like maybe a 30 second 45 second video about these cool shapes that click together um it might be interesting uh so yeah it, it is cool to you know have that creative mindset when you're talking to a client who might not have the same creative mindset and then you're opening their eyes and like oh wait we could do that it's like yeah no i can easily do that well it'd be fun right yeah and i think the cool thing about just being a, a videographer and a, a filmmaker is yes the client is the person who has something to sell but you can also kind of bring a different spin of like i'm the the storyteller you have this this great idea and you can kind of give yourself some leeway it's just you're not shooting the product you're trying to tell a story based on the the product and what you know. So I, I wonder, I want to stay on kind of storytelling for a, a little bit as, as a videographer. Um, how much do you consider telling the story rather than just 
here's the information. I'm going to get some cool slow-mo shots. Um, how much is storytelling a, a part of what you do? I think it depends a lot on the video that I'm doing or the client that I'm working for. Uh, for example, like with the high school senior video, that's a story. I'm trying to shoot it a little bit in chronological order and like how the year impacted the students. For example, like, you know, of course, the coronavirus was a huge roadblock somehow. I don't know how. I just, obviously, it was a small little thing. Sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> but I was telling the story there like how the students kind of persevered, got over it, what they did instead. Um, but if I'm shooting a video for, I did one for Kaiser Elementary, like a day in the life of kindergarten, it's a pretty straightforward video. The kids go to school, they do their morning activities, they do math, reading, science, art, PE, and then they go home. And that was that was less creative, but with the shots that I got, I still got to be creative, like how I portray the students learning, um, how I film them at recess versus, you know, just saying students go to recess next page or next uh frame it was like a, a little you know vi short video within in itself uh and then you get clients who genuinely i did this uh project like one of my first clients actually um had a, a camera that was you know working with athletes to kind of figure out where they were going to tear their next muscle if they ever were um that was that had to be really informative like you had to explain this is how the camera works this is why it works this is why you need it for your school or for your athletic club um and and so it, it really does depend on on the video itself that's kind of why i do want to get back to you know, making those fun videos, like uh, what I've seen you do, um, like, you know, maybe a little scripted or, or just, you know, filming and see what happens. Uh, it, it seems fun. And I, and I, you know, might regenerate my uh, creative juices a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny, because I, I think if you really kind of want to balance that storytelling, just itch, and it doesn't have to be working with the client, just having that, that creative side, I, uh, I look at look what you're doing. And I'm very, uh, not jealous, but just like, I, I really respect what you're doing. Um, especially that you started doing this, I mean, right out of high school and, and during high school. So I wonder, and, and this is more about your personality than just pure skills and love for film, but the type of person who starts a, their own videography business right out of high school is a very specific type of person. And I don't think yeah. <laughs> everyone has that courage. Um, do you, do you consider it? Like, did it register that this might be a, a scary act? Um, or was it always just kind of like, Oh yeah, this, this makes sense. This is what I want to do. I'm not even going to consider. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling a little bit, but, yeah, 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 okay. um, well, so aren't you studying at Merrimack? Right now, yeah, I'm doing uh, okay. community college, yeah. So, and that's kind of like a secondary thing, but why did you want to jump right into uh, videography? It, it wasn't so much videography as it was I really wanted to own my own business. Um, I really value that and the hard work that goes into it. Uh, I, I even you know applied for a scholarship for college with that in mind saying, I don't know what I want to do with college, but I do value hard work and I really, 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 you know, put in a lot of effort into my videography business, which is what I want to do. I didn't get the scholarship, but now they're a client of mine, which is really cool. Um, so it's kind of like lose the battle, win the war, I guess. Um, maybe I can make more money now than the scholarship. But uh, it, it was it was scary. I remember the first time asking a client for my or they asked me for my invoice and I was like, 
what's an invoice? And I was like, okay, that's an invoice. What am I going to charge? And I, I sent them, you know, this is the first big client I had. And I was like, it's some shaky like text message. I was like, uh, three, three, 300, $300. And, uh, they respond back. Okay, cool. And I'm like, gosh, I could have charged like more. And, and, you know, learning all like along the way, learning while I'm doing it was probably the, the hardest part and the most scary part. Um, but it, it really at the core, it's, I want to be my own boss. I want to have my own timeline. I want to tell myself when I have to go to work, when I have to wake up. And even though that's still hard to do, I sometimes will like procrastinate. Um, but it is, it is rewarding when I, you know, get that check in the mail, I get to put it down in my own you know, business bank account. I have my own business debit card now. It's, it's really, it really means a lot to me. And I think, you know, yes, yeah, why I went go to Merrimack or that I'm, if I'm going there, uh, it's because it's local. I have a lot of clients built up. I have a lot of connections and people talk to people and, and people will reach out to me because someone talked to them about me. And, uh, I don't really want to lose that. Not, not yet, at least. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so has your like early, early off, um, when you were doing the, the videography stuff, were you getting referrals from, from people you knew, or was it, did you ever have to kind of like half cold call half, uh, like, Hey, I, I know you from this, but you don't know me. I'm doing videography. Um, what was that kind of experience? Like uh, if you had to reach out yourself, luckily, I've, I've been really blessed that people have for the majority come to me. I think the only time that I've reached out was for the senior video. And that was because I knew there was kind of some competition there. Um, but pretty early on in, in, in the, the, you know, precise films, I, uh, I did get that job coaching tennis. So I, it was balancing that. And if I could get a, a video referral, some a client referral once a month, I told myself that's really good. Um, and then when it slowed down the winter, because it always does. I don't know why it just does. Um, I still have that job to fall back on coaching tennis. Um, but for the most part, people have reached out to me asking for it. And I'm really honored that they they come to me. I think part of it is they know the, the product I'll deliver, but also the the pricing is is substantially different. Um, last week, I got a text from someone saying, hey, uh, we want a 30-second video. Um, person said they were going to do it for free. Now they want $500. Can you do it? Um, and I said... Uh, out of town right now, I have to turn it down, which was really cool that I got to turn down a video, which is weird to say. But um, but but when you look at that, someone charging five hundred dollars for a thirty second long video, something I would never consider doing, maybe not at my skill level now, um, and not for what the the client was. It was like for a, a proposition, a voting proposition. Um, but I would charge maybe like a hundred dollars, and so it is a substantial price drop off going with me but you're getting, I hope, the same level of quality in the product. But yeah, no, not not too much cold calling, which is mm-hmm. weird now that you mentioned that. Well, I, I don't think it's weird because obviously if there's not a need for it, it's much better to get those referrals, have those... Uh, Very true, yeah. Those warm calls of people you kind of know already um, and who know you. And that's that's there's like that saying, uh, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of what you you've established in kind of the Kirkwood area. I, I'm curious. Um, I mean, you've mentioned school, like doing stuff for school. I didn't know about the the Kaiser video. Do you see yourself in a a niche at all, or do you try to keep yourself as open as possible? Like it, 
if you were able question. to sustain it, would you dive deeper into the the school videos niche? Yeah, I have really like considered it and, and really thought like if there's ever an opening for some PR job within the district, um, might might apply for it or something like that. Um, I, I, I do. It, it's really awesome because of what I've done with various schools, Kaiser, KECC, the, the uh, preschool, um, the high school, of course, and now the Kirkwood School District Foundation. I've like been in contact with the superintendent, uh, actually superintendents. We've had so many there. Um over the past couple of years that I, I, I have like connections higher up in the district than most people my age or most high school students um, that are coming or people coming out of high school. Um, so I, I do think I have that huge advantage when it comes to, um, you know, working with the district, if they ever need something, I'm very confident that they would come to me. And I kind of, it feels weird like saying that, but I, I don't know anyone else in the Kirkwood area um, that's working with the school district the way that I am. Yeah. Which is really neat. Yeah. I think that's a really empowering feeling to kind of know that, yeah. you know, you don't need to, to go to, you know, LA or whatever filmmaking yeah. club because you're the best where you are. Um, and I think that's yeah, a right, super right, right. important feeling, but on that same note, would you, I mean, you, you like where you're at. Um, would you ever see yourself moving to a, a bigger city or do you just really like the, the Kirkwood area being in St. Louis? I'm not a city person and I don't like lots of people. Um, and I, to a certain extent, the pandemic has been kind of nice because I meet with the clients usually one-on-one. -on -one, and if we're doing a video shoot, everyone's far away from me. Yeah. I'm in behind a camera. If I'm doing a wedding, I don't have to talk to anybody except for like the bride, the groom and the, the parents. Um, so I don't know if I'd ever move to a city to pursue this. If I got a job offer, um, like right now I'm talking to um, Unbridled Media. They're a media company in downtown Kirkwood. They're also based out in Denver. Um, they reached out to me about like doing some possible internship stuff and that would be super awesome. I know they travel. Um, so if I ever had to travel, I totally would. Um, but I am very, very happy working um, you know, larger and larger clients, but staying in the, uh, in the Kirkwood or St. Louis area, really just because, um, it's not super busy. It's, it's kind of laid back a little bit. Um, everyone's for the most part, nice. Uh, I feel like I move out to LA now. I'm just one of thousands of people, um, versus maybe one of hundreds. And it, it is a little scary to think about that. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. And I think having your kind of home base in this calmer area, is nice because it it seems like you travel a lot is that you mentioned casually <laughs> going skiing uh the other week i did did i do you <laughs> do you travel a lot no that is hopefully in the future um i well, go yeah obviously with the pandemic a year. yeah um we go to colorado each year around springtime for some skiing and uh we go to the beach each summer for the fourth of july same beach same beach house um every day or same same day every year um but I don't do as much traveling as I think I would love to. Um, one goal I have is to uh, eventually own a van that I can trick out and have like a little bed, uh, maybe somehow bolt in the PC and have a hotspot in the in the van, drive around, you know, uh, go go different places, go up north uh, towards Canada a little bit and see what it's like up there. And, you know, maybe go out west and, and go down the coast of California. I think it'd be really awesome. Uh, but 
again not necessarily a huge huge people person like i don't like these large crowds or parties or anything like that um but i think that would also allow me to uh if i did travel a bunch maybe make some new clients or friends and and do some different video work yeah because i i definitely kind of relate to that feeling of not necessarily wanting to go to the biggest city to just be another one of the the filmmakers who are pretty like okay but no one's gonna really shine above anyone else um yeah so i totally get that feeling and i i like that it seems like a goal for you is kind of that digital nomad lifestyle of being able to work (laughs) remotely um because i think that's such a a cool thing um it is nice yeah okay let's let's transition just a little bit um to kind of your other big passion tennis Okay. Um, let I, I kind of want to hear maybe the, the story of how you got into tennis, but also how, I mean, like, is there something people could take from tennis, not even playing it, but just like some cool little metaphors in there, like <laughs> your opponent oh, is always trying to make you better or something like that. Uh, is there anything that you've learned about life within playing tennis? You know, yeah, I, I guess I have. Um, I you know, I, I started playing when I was pretty young. I was like eight years old, eight or eight or nine. Um, we were actually on the tennis team together, weren't we? Yeah, I did yeah. The one year I did it sophomore year. And I right. loved it, yeah, but I was I never that. that great. <laughs> it's a fun sport though. Um no, uh I guess, you know, the biggest takeaway that I could apply to life, I always tell the kids that I'm coaching, um, hit the ball where your opponent's not. Um you know, humans over millions of years of evolution have been very good at target fixation, where we see the moving target. And we were originally hunters, we aim for the moving target. Um, when you're playing tennis, you see the opponent on the court, and you always hit the ball to them. We just we don't think about doing it, we just do. And I tell the, the kids hit the ball where the opponent's not. And uh, when you, you know, maybe apply that to life, go where the other people aren't. Uh, if you know that there's a lot of people gunning for a video doing it with a uh, you know, I don't know, Budweiser, why not go for the local brewery or the smaller uh, Budweiser local here, uh, go for the smaller brewery and say, Hey, I'll do a video for you guys. And now less competition. Uh, you can probably get that client and show them your work. And now you've made a new connection and maybe eventually Budweiser sees that and like, Hey, let's bring you on board because you did this with them. Versus if you go to Budweiser, you get turned down and now you don't have a client there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Have you ever, I mean, I don't know if you're much of a reader, but have you ever read or heard of the book, The Inner Game of Tennis? I have not, no. I'm going to have to uh, send you it uh, after okay. this conversation because I, I think, that, and that's the reason I asked the question is because it's a book about tennis, but it's all about kind of ways of thinking of kind of the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. And I one of those, the cool things I got from that book was there's kind of the the self one and self two and self one is the the conscious self okay. and self two is when you're not really thinking about what you're doing you're just reacting um and, and a lot of times we might think of that as negative but in a game like tennis where it's so f- fast paced you don't want to be in right. self one mode you don't want to be thinking about how do i hold the 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 handle and am i hitting it at the right time cuz that's just going to mess you up um and and so a lot of what that book is about is strategies to get out of your mind to play out Mm -hmm. of your mind um and i thought one of the cool things from that was you know like if someone tells you 
oh, your serve is really good today. Like, what are you doing about it? That can really get into their head and they'll, they'll think, oh, I, I wasn't really thinking about it. And I, uh, Griffin and I just played tennis when I was in town last uh-huh. time and I did that exact thing to him. <laughs> and it just ruined him for the rest of the game. That's pretty funny actually. But like one of the, <laughs> one of the antidotes to that is focus on the, the little meaningless details, like listen to the uh-huh. bounce of the ball, um, kind of like feel, feel the handle instead of thinking about where your hand is and just get those like sensory details to kind of take you mm-hmm. out of self one, um, which, which I don't yeah. know if you ever think about it that hard when you're playing, but yeah, do you try? Well, I guess the whole point is that you're not supposed to try, but do you ever, maybe if you're getting into kind of like messing up, is it usually the result of thinking about it too hard? For sure. Yeah. Um, I always have this weird ritual when I serve that if like I have to burp or something, I won't serve well. And I know I won't serve well for three serves, no matter what. And I, it's probably just superstition. I don't think there's, you know, physical attributes there that, you know, change. Um, but in my head, yeah, I am thinking like, oh gosh, I just burp. I'm going to serve bad for three times in a row now. And then I do, I serve bad three times in a row. And then I stop thinking about the burp. Cause I'm like, oh, I, I'm done. I served three times. Now I can serve again. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Like when I, when I do play and I'm not thinking about it, I can hit the ball probably, I want to say like 10, 15 miles an hour harder than, uh, if I am thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And you know? so you teach like what age of tennis? I teach all the way from five, and I think the oldest client I've had uh, is eighty-three. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it's yeah, it's a full range. One. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, especially um, moving on up a little bit, you know, coaching more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So definitely getting adult classes and and kid classes. Yeah. One's easier than the other. Which I'm guessing kids are easier. A little bit, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of coaching adults. They ask me questions like, "What's the average string weight?" And I'm like, "Don't know." I, why, I don't know if anyone knows the average string weight. I See, mean, I was going to say adults would be tougher because they're more set in their ways of, oh, I've been too. serving yeah, like this sure. and kids are yeah. kind of more open to that, that change in mm-hmm. line. Yeah. Um, well, so are you, and is that, are you doing that kind of on your own, the, the coaching tennis stuff or is that like with a company? Uh, no, I work for Veta. Um, oh, okay. but you know, yeah, the, the huge uh sport organization here yeah I, I didn't know this they're like the largest in st louis i had no idea oh really is it no, only talking... in st louis it is it's only a st louis okay. thing and i i could have sworn that it was not i moved here from virginia and i we started playing at veta and i'm like oh yeah we have a veta in virginia and my dad no <laughs> we just have another indoor soccer place in virginia i'm mm-hmm. like oh okay but uh yeah you know Every day I, I, you know, go to work and I try to get there a little extra earlier because it's something to do when I can't do anything. And, uh, you know, I see the owner of Veta there often because he he works out of uh, the location that I coach at. And, you know, it's nice to be uh, having a connection with him, which is, uh, you know, I think pretty important. The owner of the entire organization that I work for. And I, you know, knows me by my name. We talk and it's awesome. Yeah. Well, so I'm curious because obviously tennis and then your job of coaching it and doing videography when you're kind of in your recreational time what do you, what kind of stuff do you do how do you spend your time 
Um, I I really have gotten into like since this uh, pandemic hit, uh, video games, but not necessarily like competitively. You know, I'll play games with Jack, and we'll do Rocket League, and we'll mess around. Maybe we'll do a tournament or two, but none of it's like really serious. And in doing that, I've made friends. I I think from like maybe 15 or 20 countries like all over the world which is really cool and we're you know kind of keeping a loose tally the other day i met someone from bulgaria and i wouldn't have done that if i wasn't just playing video games playing minecraft with some friends um but yeah it's either video games um i do have uh it's not in my room but i have a, a longboard an electric longboard not because of casey neistat because i think it'd be cool uh, i got an electric longboard um so i do ride that a bunch as well which is probably the coolest toy or thing i've ever purchased you know so i'm going like 25 miles an hour down the street on a skateboard it's, it's just fun yeah so yeah i i've never been able to skateboard but solely like having seen casey neistat's videos that has been like a thing that i've always like wanted if i had the the disposable when you're in income town, we gotta we gotta meet up yeah. I'll, I'll let yeah do the skateboard well, <laughs> it's it, longboard it's fun it's fun i mean this episode isn't gonna release in a while but i'm coming home today for spring break oh, for the week. Gotcha. yeah sweet <laughs> so i might yeah, take yeah. you up on that this afternoon oh for sure <laughs> um, <laughs> but okay so i kind of want to talk we talk a little bit about your your future plans and how you've kind of looked into internships for more professional uh organizations but at the same time it seems like you really value kind of the autonomy of making your own your own schedule and kind of being your own business how would it going to a a bigger organization do you feel like you'd be losing something or that like the the pros of having that structure would outweigh the the cons of maybe not being able to choose as much of your schedule i don't think that i'd ever give up owning precise films or working under this name. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I definitely would have less time to focus on my own clients and what I want to do. Uh, but I, I do think that I, I, um, I would, I would gain more than I would lose if I, you know, work for an organization that has 10 red, you know, monstro cameras. I think that would be a, a step up from, you know, not saying that the cameras I use aren't good, but, you know, having a camera with, 8k capabilities is you know slightly elevated than you know what i have or having a computer that can you know render out a, a 20 minute video file in about 10 seconds is you know better than a 2017 macbook pro um so i think i i, I think in the long run it'd be a win i think you know the initial decision to move to a larger company or organization would be a a a, a grudgingly yes decision you know I, I don't think it'd be easy for me but i think mm -hmm. i would probably do it yeah but you don't think that you could get to a point of building out precise film so it's not a one-person company and then maybe you have the people under you and you're able to invest for the company in those red cams and those amazing computers do you ever does is that something you would strive for that is a dream. Yeah. Um, it would be really awesome. I don't, I mean, I, I, I mean, I loosely know how to do that, you know, just more clients equals more money equals more, you know, work, uh, better equipment, all that. Um, but, uh, I think, you know, at a certain level, 
I would get overwhelmed with the finances of the, of the thing and, and figuring out like, how do I pay people? What do I have to do? I, you know, I'd have to learn all that. So, you know, taking business classes now to figure that out. Um, but uh, I think if, if in the next five or six years I did get approached and I, I you know, or I, I went up and I asked for a job for another company and they offered me it with, you know, decent pay and, and I could still work with video. I'm very, pretty confident I would take that, but again, it would be like a, a tough decision, but I, I still think I'd do it. Um, you know, I have, I have plans over the summer for, you know, other creative um, aspirations that I want to do. Um, you know, I don't want to dive into it too much yet in case it doesn't work out, but uh, you know, it involves get, like you said, getting that commercial drone license and, and a bunch of photos. Uh, so it, it, you know, would that it, be I a personal still, project? Yes and no. It'd be a personal goal that I would monetize and sell a bunch of, hopefully. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, basically just trying to, you know, capture a large amount of um of photos of the drone and and do a a certain thing with that. But uh, you know, it we'll see. But I think you know having those creative ambitions would allow me to be comfortable doing, you know, like going with another company or working for someone else. Yeah, as long as you have that that free time right. built in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I can totally I see that of kind of, and like the point of these, these uh, episodes is partially for me to kind of spew my own thoughts and kind of hear other people like, Oh, uh-huh. what are you going to do? And kind of like see how other people would answer the questions that I'm asking myself. Um, right. Especially well, you are, what you are kind of doing some uh, freelance stuff now, aren't you? Yeah, and it's funny. I just got a like independent contractor thing where I'm going to be working as a wedding videographer for oh, a awesome. company. Um, cool. And like, I mean, like, kind of what you were saying, it was a begrudging yes because it'll be nice to have that. And at the same time, I'll still have a lot of free time, but it's already obvious how much uh because i don't have to edit the footage and i'm solely shooting for the day it's already obvious that i'm being paid for the time shooting and not kind of the value of the video being delivered um and and just based on that that first pay structure and so that's kind of why that that question is on my mind because i do think you know if you were to lean more heavily into uh say wedding videography or a real estate and could hire an editor so that you're collecting the clients based on your network, your referrals that you're getting, and you don't have to spend as much time um, like spending hours editing, and you can kind of pay the your editor something very reasonable, very uh, that they would be happy with, but at the same time, because you're bringing in the clients as your business, you're going to make the, the majority of the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know how much I would enjoy the idea of having someone else edit my work. Maybe having a co-editor or someone who, uh, you know, I could edit with would be really awesome. But uh, there is like, um, I, I do try to put my own, you know, personal touch. Yeah, my own spin on, on a couple things. Um, lately, I've been, you know, shooting with the mindset of uh, shooting for the final edit. So I'm, you know, I might be filming, you know, someone doing a kicking a soccer ball and I'm spinning my camera all around 
and someone's like what are you doing and i'm like it should look pretty cool and post we'll see if it doesn't it doesn't but you know at least i'm i'm trying to shoot for the final edit in mind because i know how i'm going to interpret that video and i'm going to see the shaky footage and be like okay good i want that shaky footage here because right after this there's a little bass drop and the and the footage is going to look all cool and 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 it'll be neat and you know i have someone else edit that and i'm trying to explain like yeah do the shaky stuff after the big boom and they're like what you know and and so I just, I would, I feel like I'd worry too much about the final product or they'd show me it and I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm going to change everything now. Yeah. You know? But I think that could be a hurdle on the similar level of kind of overcoming that, that pricing gap of now I need to ask more because I'm better. I think that's a, a similar thing of now right. I need to let go of this edit and mm -hmm. articulate how I want it so that I can provide more value, work with more clients um right yeah no i there is a yeah in my eye. I, I was wondering what was going on you're getting like more brighter <laughs> um yeah no there 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 would be like trade-offs and and you know rewards and and uh challenges but yeah it is definitely something i have considered um like bringing someone else on board or like a couple people uh, you know doing weddings this summer i always get it is so stressful shooting the entire wedding because i know not going to shoot out of focus because i'm going to have it locked on 10 minutes before the first kiss but or the, the the big kiss of the ceremony but the entire time i was filming that first wedding i'm like looking back at my camera it's still on the tripod okay good we're good okay is it still on the tripod yes is it still in focus obviously it hasn't changed it's recording yes i have like 20 hours left of, of space um and uh it, it's it's so stressful having that like you know second person probably would alleviate some of the stress um for the for a huge amount, even if it's just shooting like the groom during the day and not the bride. Cause that's the other issue too. I mean, I could go on and on filming a bride getting ready is insanely challenging when you're a guy because you can't do it. Okay. They are wearing makeup and getting changed and all that. And I'm like telling the photographer who's a girl, she's really awesome. I'm like, Hey, can you let me know when they're ready? So we could like fake a shot. And she goes, yeah why and i'm like i'm a girl and she I'm like, I'm a guy i'm not a girl jeez and uh she goes oh yeah i forgot about that you guess you can't really get in there can you and i'm like no and um so so it is there's so much going on everything's happening at once and nine hours feels simultaneously like five weeks and 30 seconds yeah. uh you know you're just jumping all over the place but yeah man, there's a lot of moving parts. Right. And I, I can't speak from experience because I have my first training shoot uh, on the 4th, April 4th. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll find out then, but I'm only a backup shooter. And so I think the, the nice thing about working kind of under a company's structure is learning the structure yeah. and then eventually being able to break out of it and say, I, I know these, these things. I know how to structure it myself. Um, and from there, then you can kind of break off into your own brand um, right? and charge for everything rather than just your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know how that's going to work for you? Are they going to have you like use their cameras or are you using your own? Uh, using our own equipment. Um, they have some uh -huh. guidelines of, you know, like these are the cameras, but like I already know that the, the videographer I'm shooting with, we have different cameras and I, I think they have an editing team they're like, yeah, I guess just try to get it as close as you can. Um, and so it's going to be, right. it may look very different, but they may 
be able to fix it in the edit. And I mean, in the end, it's not Mm going to be my problem, but again, I don't want to be on the end of like, I made this, it's still something I shot. It's still part of my portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. You shoot on a GH five, right? I'm sure they're going to be using like cannons or something. I'm guessing. Or everyone has different, I mean, there's like videographers with black magics, uh, uh-huh. the videographer I'm shooting with has the a seven three. Oh yeah. I forgot about Sony, man. I kind of do want to get a Sony camera now too. Well, Aaron, as we are kind of nearing the one hour mark, I, yeah. <laughs> I want to, and I, I, I like to keep this as long as possible. I think <laughs> this is good stuff. Even if half the, the listeners didn't understand what we were just saying. <laughs> um, I want to end with one question uh-huh. and, um, I'm changing it for this season what is one thing at this moment that you're intensely curious about? Ooh. Like as far as creative stuff goes or just anything? It could be anything. And I mean, not like this second, this second, but like the past month, like what's been something you're just like, I want to know more. Um, I really want to know more about, uh, like marketing my own, uh, projects. Um, I want to do stuff like I was kind of mentioning like this summer, I want to create something and then market the hell out of it before um, the holidays. So it's a huge, you know, I'm looking at like seven months in the future, but uh, market that project and sell it. Um, But I need to learn a whole lot more about how people think when they see ads, what they uh, will do, how much people will pay um, for the project or for the product. Um, so yeah, mar- marketing is the, probably the most I've like, uh, looked into. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I love that answer. Um, and hopefully <laughs> future episodes, I'll, I'll be able to get more in depth with people I can interview about marketing. But on that note, um, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. I'll be sure to link all your social media, um, and, and your YouTube channel with precise films. So you can see some of the, the videos that we talked about in this conversation but aaron thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you so much for having me it was an honor i loved it this has been purple elephant radio don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week